On this episode of the podcast, we speak with Alexandra Gotts, a PhD student in biomedical sciences who was involved in a concussion recovery study that looked at the effects on people who had been concussed and how it affected their recovery. Special guest today, Ola Gotts. Very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Great to be here, Mark. And we've specifically got you on the program today, Ola, to talk about concussion in sport. Mm -hmm. And our interest in getting you on the panel is your involvement in the concussion recovery test testing, which is going on through Curtin University. Can you uh, tell the people who are viewing when and why that started? Okay, so the Crest Concussion Recovery started um, recruiting its first participants in August 2019, so last year, and it came up from this need to help identify things that might predict outcome after a concussion. So most people who experience a concussion um, can expect to recover within about two weeks of their injury, but we know from research that about 10 to 20% of people, which is a small but significant um, size of the population will continue to experience the effects of a concussion long beyond this um, typical recovery time frame. So what our study is trying to do is to identify factors that might be able to help identify people who might be at risk of delayed recovery following concussion. We probably all have a general idea, but mm -hmm. from your expert knowledge, can you tell the viewers what, what happens to the brain when there's a concussion? So when there's a concussion, what occurs is this intricate neurometabolic cascade of events. Um, so what this basically means is that there is a number of different biological processes that occur at the cellular level. And some of these biological processes occur at the same time, while others are um, a result of others that have occurred before then. But ultimately, what happens is a chain of events that causes a change in the brain's energy demands and blood flow alters nerve transmission and causes a microscopic disruption to the cells and the structures of the brain. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, a bit messy. Okay. Um, so what could somebody expect the short-term effects of concussion to be? Okay, so I think it's important to start off answering this question by acknowledging the fact that people who've had a concussion will often present with a constellation of signs that you need to them. So this means that um, no two concussions are the same and it's totally possible for us to have two people who've had a concussion and present in a different way or uh, one person to have a number of concussions and each time manifest a different number of signs and symptoms. But of course, some signs and symptoms of concussion do occur more often than others and these include things like headaches, dizziness, vomiting, neck pain, trouble concentrating or remembering, confusion or a blank look or vision problems just in general or an overall kind of feeling of just not being quite right. So loss of consciousness can occur, but it's not considered to be a must. Short-term, they're the short-term effects. Mm -hmm. Are there any long-term or ongoing effects that concussion can cause? Yes. Yeah, so as I um, mentioned before when I was talking about the CREST study, um, so most people will recover within 10 to 14 days of their injury. Um, for children, we know that they tend to recover a little bit longer, up to four weeks. Um, but basically, 10 to 20% of people will continue to experience the symptoms of a concussion beyond this typical recovery time frame. And some of the issues that these people encounter um, include things like uh, alterations to mood and sleeping patterns, memory functioning, balance, headache or migraine-like symptoms and an exercise intolerance. Is a 
concussion that causes loss of consciousness, is that, is that more serious than one that doesn't or doesn't it matter? Um, not necessarily. And um, that's why I think it's important that people who've uh, potentially experienced a concussion be assessed on an individual case by a medical professional. So people who um, might not lose consciousness can still go on to experience severe and prolonged symptoms after their concussion. And we also know that there's a whole bunch of other factors um, besides loss of consciousness that might put people at risk of experiencing a slower recovery, such as being female or having um, a history of mental health problems or previous concussions, for example. There are many people who play professional sport or um, grassroots sport who get a concussion. Um, we all know of certain sports people who get more than one. If a person has multiple concussions, are they more likely to have lasting symptoms? Um, that's a great question, Mark. Um, there's certainly been, you know, a number of reports, particularly coming out of the States, looking at um, players who've played um, gridiron football, which have linked a history of concussion or multiple concussions um, to risk of subsequent neurodegenerative diseases like CTE or Parkinson's disease. But overall, the research into this area is still in a relative state of infancy. So we don't know everything about the potential long-term um, problems. But what you do know is that it's crucial for people who've potentially experienced a concussion to seek medical attention and allow their brains adequate time to recover before they get back to um, their normal mental and physical activities. We've seen on TV players who've had concussions who come back wearing pr protective headgear. Can that reduce the likelihood of concussion? That is a good question. And actually, I think the answer to this one might surprise some people. So research into um, wearing a helmet has actually suggested that um, it does not decrease or increase the rate of a, um, reduce the rate of a concussion. Um, and in some studies, there's actually evidence to suggest that it increases the rate due to an incorrect um, perception of being more protected. Um, so this might actually cause players to go a bit harder when they're tackling simply because they just think that they are more protected. Um, but the most important thing is that, again, people seek medical assessment and don't return to activities before they're medically cleared to do so and seek further help if the symptoms continue, whether or not they are um, wearing head protection when they sustain a concussion. Now, I know you haven't finished your research yet, so this might be a little bit of an unfair question. From what you've seen so far, is it changing your thoughts about the safety of contact sport like Australian rules or rugby? Oh, absolutely. Um, in doing the research, obviously, I've learned a lot of things about um, what goes on in the brain when people have had a concussion and the potential consequences. And also just from hearing um, people's stories from our study, it's made me um, certainly appreciate the need to treat concussion um, with the respect that it deserves. So that's not to say that it wouldn't stop me from personally engaging in contact sports or discouraging others to do so. Um, but because of course, we know that there's a lot of um, benefits from playing sports, both physical and mental. So I think rather than trying to stop people from um, playing or engaging in contact sports, we should really be focusing on um, trying to come up with ways to either reduce the risk of people having a concussion or making it um, safer and developing pathways to um, support people if they do happen to experience a concussion.
And there's obviously a number of ways that we can achieve this. This includes things like um, preparing better guidelines and making sure that the guidelines are particularly um, in, enforced at the community level, um, as well as keeping up to the date with the research, making sure that people are aware of the need for early assessment and moving away from this kind of overall thought that, you know, it's just a concussion, you'll be okay. After all, um, concussions don't just occur in sport, they can occur from a number of different mechanisms. So things like uh, motor vehicle accidents, falls, um, even things like assaults and non-contact sports like horse riding or gymnastics. All right, um, I'll throw it open to the panel. Oh, can I just ask just one question? The, um, the, the neurological condition of concussion is a specific uh, condition. It has its own uh, elements. Uh, we, we see in football matches, I, I, I just know Aussie rules, you see a player go off, they have a, you know, they've got a concussion injury, they're spoken to, you know, do you know where you are, do you know what day it is? And then in the old days, and I'm talking fairly recent past, they were just allowed back onto the field after 20 minutes. And I think even now, um, if they don't know, they, they just send them back onto the field provided they pass certain tests. What's mm -hmm. the optimal, uh, from, a, from a scientific medical point of view, what's the optimal testing for concussion? The concussion um, in sports group has developed a protocol called the SCAT. Um, the SCAT 5 is up to the fifth version now, and that pretty much helps uh, trainers and sports players to walk their way through to identify concussions um, when they occur. As for how long people should sit off um, with, uh, before going back to play, um, that's very much an individual thing and, you know, either sports players or people in the public who've had a concussion should be working with their medical professional to kind of find out what's the right um, time to take off for them. As we know, um, generally speaking, most concussion uh, symptoms will recover with between 10 to 14 days, but this obviously is a, um, a rule of thumb and doesn't apply to everyone. Before, sorry, before 14 days, you, 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 you think in no case of concussion should a player ever go back onto the field and, in yeah. fact, all play the next week. Uh, in, in, in other words, they should wait for 14 days. Yes, correct. Hmm. What, what I wanted to say from a rugby league perspective, they're a lot more proactive now in, in assessing a player. It used to actually be a, a laughter uh, point that look at him, he's in Disneyland and he doesn't know where he is. Um, now it's taken a lot more seriously and the, the New South Wales captain in State of Origin, Boyd Cordner, has uh, pulled out of the series. Uh, probably wouldn't have done so in years gone by. Mm -hmm. But he's, um, on medical advice, taken the view that his long-term mental health isn't worth playing out the series. He's just one of these unlucky guys who's had a lot of concussions and um, in years gone by, as I said, he would have just kept lining up for punishment. Alexander, uh, look, you've probably answered some of the things I was looking at. You surprised me when you said um, wearing of helmets um, sometimes doesn't really help with the concussion. Um, I was going to ask you whether you believe it should be compulsory, um, especially in young grassroots sport, that participants wear protective helmets to protect about uh, from concussions. And second part of the question would be, do you believe if someone suffers a concussion rather than come back onto the ground, should there be a compulsory period of, say, a week or two before they can play again? What's your kind of opinion based on the evidence that you've seen? Oh, I've had this 
question come up quite a few times now, and to be honest, um, I sit on the fence. I think, you know, ultimately it should be a um, person's, person's own choice whether or not they wish to wear um, protective headgear. I think um, people have the right to put their safety first. However, that being said, given the research showing that it's not necessarily overly productive, like it'll certainly help um, physical trauma from happening. So for example, you know, uh, breaking of the skull or fracturing of the skull, it won't necessarily stop the concussion itself. So, you know, this often comes up in the context of children. I can understand parents would be um, quite concerned for their safety and they can, I can see how they might think that a a helmet might help. Um, But it won't ultimately stop the concussion from happening. But then I guess that also brings into question if, you know, people have their own choices as to what they do, it wouldn't be fair if some people were head um, helmets and others didn't in the same match because obviously that can have negative outcomes as well. Um, so I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but for your second question, um, I definitely think that there should be, you know, a more um, conservative approach is probably best and people should be taking time off um, before they return to sports. Oh, look, yeah. people can be their worst enemy. So, mm-hmm. you know, do administrators have to make it a compulsory um, break? Older, uh, you mentioned females. Uh, we, we, we hear anecdotally that uh, since the outburst of the women's football uh, mm-hmm. competition that uh, more women are experiencing concussions. And I just wonder whether there's a particular susceptibility for women to uh, suffer a concussion or whether, as I think, uh, women are more likely to report it and to look after their health more than men are. I just wonder if there's any actual data uh, from the women's game about that. Well, I actually um, find this a really interesting question. It's one of my own personal interests. Um, so you're right in saying that, you know, um, research in this area is still emerging. For a lot of time, it's mainly um, the male college athletes that have been studied in concussion, mainly because it's been easy to kind of follow them and have them engage in studies. But as far as women, there is, it's actually a bit of both. So there are anatomic, biomechanical and chemical reasons um, as to why there might be differences between the sexes um, in terms of rate and recovery after concussion. Certainly, um, as you pointed out, there is also the psychological aspects. So women are more likely to report their symptoms and be more attuned to their health and well-being. But also we have to consider the fact that um, there's also an increased prevalence and risk of mental health issues amongst women. So we know from other research that people who have a history of mental health problems are at risk of um, experiencing prolonged symptoms after a a concussion. Um, So, you know, it's like this double whammy that might put them at a greater risk. But also, um, as we're researching more and more amongst female, in particular athlete groups, we're learning things that, you know, women do tend to have smaller axons. So some of the brain cells um, are smaller and are more susceptible to the damage that occurs during a concussion. Um, biomechanical factors that have, you know, potentially been identified that might contribute to these differences also include things like decreased neck strength, a smaller head circumference, um, a thinner skull, and also differences in the spinal musculature. Um, It's important to remember that, you know, a concussion doesn't necessarily occur just from a direct blow to the head. That's a very traditional um, definition. It's recently been expanded so that, you know, we now acknowledge the fact that a concussion may occur um, from a 
other traumatic um, hit to the body. So for example, to the torso, which might cause forces to reverberate and cause the brain in the he um, head to skull. So that's where we can see concussions occurring from people, for example, in rugby, having a tackle. Um, but also the other thing, you know, that often it gets failed to be acknowledged is differences in biochemical, um, I guess, reasons. So things like the hormonal cycles. So, you know, as women, we obviously go through menstruation and it's actually been found that if a female at uh, different times of the cycle has a concussion, can may experience different outcomes afterwards. I was going to say something you might be interested in. When um, <clears throat> UFC first really took off, we don't cover a lot of martial arts on here, but mm -hmm. I asked a doctor um, who I met, I said it's horrific to me that someone is clearly unconscious in UFC and then they follow up with what's called a hammer blow or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. he said the, the, what might surprise you is that we prefer that. As, we, as doctors, he said we don't like any sort of fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly boxing, but he said, what's the worst condition in boxing is you can actually be unconscious medically, but still mm -hmm. appear like you're functioning. And he said, that's when the most damage can be done is when a guy is standing there for 10, 15 minutes and his head's still being pounded. Mm -hmm. So he said in UFC, it's better that someone's unconscious and the match is over than what happened to Muhammad Ali often in his career. He, was, he would actually be medically um, concussed and yet still functioning. So, and just the damage, he said, when the brain is like in a floating state, mm -hmm. how brutal, brutal boxing can be. That The link to rugby league for me is that it's good they're getting these players off. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they're back on dubiously, but at least they're not still playing when they're groggy because I think that's, that's when the risk of real harm surely could, could, could occur. Absolutely. And I think it's great that these sort of conservative approaches are being taken, especially at, you know, the state kind of levels, because I think that sends an important message to, you know, community groups as well. It kind of um, reiterates the fact that, you know, concussion needs to be taken seriously. Alda, I thought you mentioned, I heard you say that uh, it also can affect the personality of a person. And I just wondered yep. how, how, a, how severe the risk is and uh, what potentially... <laughs> Uh, could happen to a person's personality. And I'm just thinking of a few players that have been seriously concussed over many years mm -hmm. in AFL, and I, I think we can see that. But what what is the real danger with the personality? So I think with the personality side of things, um, we should separate it into short-term and long-term effects. So I think a lot of um, people might be familiar with personality changes that occur over the long term after it, particularly multiple concussions. Um, I think that was highlighted in some of the opening scenes of the Will Smith moving concussion. Um, you know, there's this perception that personality changes, and they certainly can occur, but I think we can't take those into consideration without also thinking about the other kind of social things that a person might be experiencing at the time later down the track after they've had multiple concussions. In the short term, though, um, we do know from the research that people who've had a concussion are at a greater risk of experiencing anxiety and depression-like symptoms or um, that the concussions can um, exacerbate previous um, conditions that they might have um, due to the changes in the brain um, that occur as a concussion. Ola, if you were the list manager of a football team and a, and a prospect came up who was a number one draft choice that had nine concussions over the first three years of his career and had been uh, out of the game and then came back into the game, would you have great reluctance about uh, putting that kid on, uh, on your team uh, and back into the game of AFL? I would be encouraging this person to really um, consider what options they may have available and seek medical advice as to whether or not they take up on this very tantalising <laughs> offer. 
Oh, I might, I might just, unless anybody's got any other questions, I might finish up on this one because I hadn't considered it, and it's, it's strange, but we deal with a lot of, you know, we look at grassroots football, rugby, and ball sports, mm-hmm. but boxing was mentioned by Paul. What, would your, what are your thoughts about just boxing as a sport, given, given what you know about concussion? And I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to be controversial. I'm just, from your, from your mm-hmm. perspective, a sport that where you actually set out to uh, hit somebody in the head, what are your thoughts about that? I don't really know much about this sport, so I don't really feel um, comfortable answering the question. I mean, you know, like every sport, there are definitely benefits. And, you know, for some people it does um, bring a lot of, enjoyment and physical and mental kind of benefits. However, I would be encouraging people who are in the sport or wanting to get into it to um, really consult medical advice, particularly if they have other kind of risk factors that might put them at risk of delayed recovery if they happen to experience a concussion. I have to say, Ola, after hearing you, uh, when I see the Olympics from now on and they've all got at the lower levels that the helmets on their heads, it's just a it's just a nonsense they're uh, they're not really protecting the head because they're being struck multiple times mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the in the um the lower divisions they they just it's a flurry of punches over three four five rounds Th- those helmets aren't going to um do any good at all are they well as i mentioned before they won't stop a concussion from happening but they will stop you know physical trauma from happening so you know broken bones and that kind of stuff which is i guess where this idea of the helmet comes from However, you know, there is active research going in the US as well um, to try and make helmets a bit more um, safer as well, to be a bit more effective. But I guess, again, that won't necessarily stop concussions from happening. You can fix a broken bone. You can't fix a broken personality. And I think that, that's the Absolutely. real danger. Yeah, you can't, can't repair a brain, judge, in that respect. You, you damage the brain, it's, it's damaged. And, I, you know, I know my daughter uh, was a cheerleader many, you know, many years mm-hmm. in, in her high school years. Three out of four years, she had concussions. You know, being a cheerleader, so it's it doesn't have to be a helmet. You know, as as Alice said, I mean, she fell off the uh, being high up and fell and hit another person's knee coming down on her head, and it's just amazing how uh, frequent concussions can happen. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes a helmet is is a crutch. It's one that you think a helmet's going to protect you, and it really doesn't. Well, that's that, that's illuminating, Dan, because mm. sitting here, I wouldn't have expected cheerleading to be a uh, potential for head injury. Yeah, it's one of the most dangerous sports out there, Mark. I mean, you look at the women's soccer uh, in the States, you look at cheerleading, uh, those are two of the ones that uh, have a lot of concussions because you are stunting, you are you know throwing cheerleaders up in the air and trying to catch them. And, you know, you're being, you're, you could catch them right in a, you know, in your basket tosses or you get an elbow to the head, you know, wrist or anything like that. You know, it depends on how you land. And particularly in the, in the younger ages, um, you know, high school, particularly college, you have a little bit more experience, a little bit more strength. But in those high school years, uh, generally between the ages of 13 and 17, the, the athletes aren't as strong uh, to do those type of tumbling and stunts. Uh, and that's where the damage comes in. Probably needs a movie about it. I saw that movie Black Swan about ballet dancing. I never thought ballet was simple, but I never knew how brutal it was. Wow. Mm. Uh, Professor, can I ask um, Alexander one more question then? Just raised an interesting thing. Just thinking soccer, where it's part of the game for them to head the ball, to you know, deliberately make contact with the head and the ball. In your studies, are you seeing more injuries to the head 
to soccer players, say, compared to NFL or AFL or cricket or any other sport in particular? Sorry, do you mind just repeating that question, please? Soccer, yep. where they deliberately had the ball, you know, mm -hmm. moving balls coming mm -hmm. at them, and so there's obviously impact all the time in soccer. Do you see more concussions result from soccer games mm -hmm. than compared to other sports? To be honest, we haven't had too many soccer players um, partake in our study. Um, our study is a fusion of um, recruiting people from the general community who've come through us through a hospital ED pathway, um, as well as uh, GPs and um, community sports groups. Um, actually, you'd be surprised to know that the most um, popular sport that is represented in our study is actually cyclists. We've had quite a few cyclists mm -hmm. fall off bikes um, and come through to our study. But as for um, soccer, not so much. Okay. All right. Uh, we might wrap it up there. Ola, many thanks for you joining us today. We really appreciate you giving us your time on what we think is a very important topic. I will ask you one favour, though, and that is uh, once you get further into your uh, studies towards the end, if you'd come back on and uh, give us a extension of how it's been going since we last spoke to you. Would love to. And um, thanks to everyone um, for being a part of um, the conversation. It's been a pleasure being here and I hope that you guys learned something as well. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and listen to our other podcasts. Our next podcast will feature rower Jack Kelly.